Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco Realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Interstate 280 connects San Francisco and Silicon Valley. It's a beautiful drive that roughly follows the San Andreas Fault, and along the way is a delightfully quirky home with a backyard easily visible to the freeway. It was built in 1976 by William Nicholson in organic flowing shapes made possible by sprayed concrete. Over the years, it acquired the nickname the Flintstone House and a place in the hearts of Bay Area commuters. If you've ever lived in San Francisco, you've heard of Angela Aliotto. Her father was San Francisco's mayor from 1968 to 1976. She's perhaps even more accomplished, serving two terms and as board president for the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, where some of her legislative wins included taking on big tobacco and fighting for increases in AIDS and HIV services and support during the late 1980s and early 1990s. In addition, she is a civil rights attorney, and in 2001, won the nation's largest civil rights verdict, $135 million, against IBC Wonder Bread for their discrimination against African-American men. Why has the major civil rights litigator taken up the case of the Flintstones home? Listen into our conversation with Angela Aliotto to find out why. So let's talk about this house in Hillsborough, if we can. You know, I think people have seen these headlines, you know, the the Flintstones house. And here you are, an incredible civil rights attorney with this incredible history of accomplishment and, and taking on a variety of causes. You know, so how did this come to be? It sounds like something that's kind of like such a lighthearted, funny topic. Well, it is uh, in the sense that discrimination law is very fact-intensive. It's very difficult. Uh, and I normally don't do anything but discrimination. Basically, 80% of our law practice is um, employment discrimination, and the rest is discrimination to customers or to uh, the consumer. So you're, you're right about that. But I have to tell you that what they've done to Mrs. Fang, who's been a friend of mine for 40 years, I've known her since I first ran for office in the 80s. What they've done to her is just unconscionable. And it's like the First Amendment doesn't exist for them, especially if you're Chinese. And I think that's really apparent uh, as to what has gone on here. The permit investigator who went out to her house to do a closure of the permits that she'd gotten for her driveway and her retaining wall, while he was there, he just decides to walk in the garden. And when he sees these statues, the dinosaurs and the rhinoceros and the giraffe, but when he sees these and the mushrooms, they do a stop order. You know, what happened to the First Amendment? This is her garden. No neighbor complained. That's essential to understand because they're saying what she didn't do was get reviewed by neighbors. There's no neighbor who has complained. It was the inspector who went out that day who has a history of telling people in Hillsborough that to be in Hillsborough, you need to be able to speak English. So as a consequence, I am taking this head on and plan on filing a countersuit against all of them for the First Amendment uh, violations and for other violations, both federal and state. 
So you answered one of the, the questions that's been lingering for me about this is, is how this all got started. And I was wondering if it was, you know, a neighbor complaint or something, but the fact that she had pulled a permit for work on the property and then the inspector just decided to help himself around to the rest of the property and decided he didn't, didn't like it for whatever reason. Her backyard that nobody can see unless you're driving on 280. Exactly. I mean, and this is, you know, on the one hand, it's Hillsborough. Yes, it's a very expensive enclave. But at the same time, this is a lot that faces I-280. Right. You know, so it's not like it's the prime Hillsborough lot here, first of all. And 280 loves it. I mean, it's the Flintstone house. It's one of my first memories (laughs) of driving on I-280. You know, it's got a reputation. Right. And a good reputation. So the dinosaurs, to be clear, have never actually bothered anyone. It's not like they've been barking at all hours of the night or, you know, waking people up in the morning. Dinosaurs haven't caused a problem. <laughs> no, and neither have the mushrooms. That's good. That's good. I'm glad. I, I, you know, I kid you not, Matt, they want her to color the mushrooms. They're too colorful. They want them brown. It's like, excuse me, you're coming into my backyard and telling me, that either I remove the mushrooms or I paint them a color that you have decided. Imagine if we made that applicable to everybody's home, that we could only have what some specific planning inspector decided was right or wrong. It's a scary concept. It's an incredibly scary concept. Has the city actually said what they want? I mean, specifically, like, do they just want modifications? Do they want more permits pulled? Or is this all just a pretext for we're going to do whatever we have to do to make this go away? They want all dinosaurs and other animals and mushrooms and Fred and Betty and Wilma and um, Barney and Dino removed. So under the auspices of, like, health and safety? I mean, (laughs) there is no auspice. The auspice is this is Hillsborough. This is not bedrock. That's exactly what the lawyer said to Inside Edition yesterday. This is Hillsborough. It's not bedrock. (laughs) I know. I noticed that you you don't even have anything to say. It's like, come on, is this America? Well, as I was researching a bit for this, Hillsborough, the, the community of Hillsborough, has an architectural review design guidelines, set of guidelines. And there's actually a rumor that this house, when it was originally built, was the inspiration for creating this set of design guidelines. Any truth to that? (laughs) That's absolute history. That's absolutely true. Once this house was built, once the architect did this house, he's a very famous architect. He will be at our uh, press conference on Thursday. Yes, William Nicholson, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And once it was built, um, they created this design committee to make sure another one's not built. See, I question that. Uh, there's nobody that's ever sued over that issue, which brings up the other issue. Which is? The lawyer said yesterday, what if the people next door to me want to do a Jetson house? Well, you know, if that's really a possibility, then this is the United States of America. And if it's in their backyard, they have a First Amendment right to do whatever kind of yard art that they want to do. You know, this isn't Russia. This isn't China. This is the United States of America where you can have the art that you want. And perhaps we would all do just fine if we were to pay more attention to the art in our own yard and worry less about the art in the neighbor's yard. Just perhaps. Well, that, well, that's true. But Matt, none of the neighbors have complained. I want to stress that over and over. As a matter of fact, the only neighbor that can even remotely see the front yard and cannot see the backyard loves the house. So 
everyone loves this house except for apparently the city of, of Hillsborough planning right. department. You know, the architectural design guidelines call for number one, consistency of style. And I quite frankly think that your client has dinosaurs and the Flintstone house nailed. <laughs> That's great. I love that. <laughs> historical accuracy, point number two. I think that, you know, <laughs> historically correct. High quality materials, from what I've read, you know, nobody's oh, skimped yeah. out on doing these dinosaurs. They sound like pretty solid animals. And number four, honesty of materials. Now, this is where I think we might have an issue because I don't know if those are like honest dinosaurs, but I think it's pretty close here. <laughs> you know, he is um, he's another very famous artist in Half Moon Bay. As a matter of fact, here in Sonoma, where I am right now, just down the road in Kenwood is another huge nursery that sells his art. And they're very big. They're the size of trees. Uh, and they sell all over uh, Napa and Sonoma and, and uh, the wine country. It's the rusty steel art. Uh, you yes. can't miss it. Yeah. He's he's. He's all over the place. And uh, actually, he's in Italy, too. But having said that, uh, the honesty, this is art, okay? This isn't something anybody, uh, well, I don't even want to say that because somebody can have any kind of swing they want or any kind of chair or any kind of patio furniture. This is their backyard um, and it's private property. I mean, they can't come in and say, I don't like your patio furniture. (laughs) It's ridiculous. So it does pass all of the uh, requirements that you just read. Absolutely. I mean, it meets the qualifications that were designed to prevent it from happening, which is, you know, rather impressive. But the city seems to also have a very shifting story on this. As I've, you know, read about it, at first it was like, oh, it was, you know, just because a permit wasn't pulled for this other stuff. And then, oh, this is health and safety. And it, it really, to your point, kind of seems like upholding a rule uh, or enforcing something so arbitrarily right. and unilaterally. Is there precedent for this in Hillsborough? Does this happen a lot? Are there a lot of cases about this? I mean, is this something that's very common? <laughs> no, there is. We can't find, let me put it that way. We have no knowledge of any structure in a backyard, in a backyard, any art structure or any kind of, when I say structure, whether it's a patio set or whether it's Dino the dinosaur, we we don't have any knowledge of any other trying to stop them from having something in their backyard. Now, they the town is trying to say it's a structure. It's not a structure. It's, let's use that word just now. It's a piece of art. All of them are a piece of art. And as you say, it passes those requirements. But let me just say, if we go around and take a picture, we'd have to get permission because it is their backyard and it is private property. But I will bet you anything that people that have statues in their backyard do not have permits for those statues. They just don't happen to be Chinese and the Flintstones. Mrs. Fang couldn't even get people to help her that were suggested by the city. She couldn't even, the city said, you must call these people and get one of them to help you, which is a As a former president of the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco, I highly object to the city or the city of San Francisco or any other city, the town of Hillsborough, I highly object to giving people a list of suggested people. To me, there is an underlying corruption there that I find offensive. In other words, use our guy and our guy is going to kiss up to the town at every possible opportunity, right? Because the town is giving all these jobs to private industry. It should be a bidding process. It should be a competitive bid. 
And that's not what they do. Okay, so that's another case. But having said that, not one of those people would help Mrs. Fain. Not one of them out of, I think it's 18. What is that? What what would this one call that? I mean, you know, I'm a discrimination trial lawyer. This is, I specialize in getting into people's minds to know why they really did something to somebody on an unequal basis, whether it's race, disability, sexual orientation, gender, religion. What is the real reason they're doing this to Mrs. Fang when they're not doing it to anybody else? And that actually, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but the house was built in 76. It's traded hands two or three times. Is this the first non-Caucasian owner of the property? I mean, because it's always been controversial, but it's, it's you know, I mean, it, because it definitely kind of sounds like the fact that Mrs. Fang is of Asian descent is what's driving this in, in your view more than anything. Yes, it's why I, uh, I'm so fascinated with this case, because it's so, so malicious. It's so underlining everything without actually rearing its ugly head. Except, I have to say, we actually have this inspector saying in another lawsuit that uh, you have to speak English to live in Hillsborough. Okay, I mean, that right there says something big. But in front of Mrs. Fang's home, the Flintstone home, are the little um, terracotta figures that were discovered in China, the ancient terracotta figures that in her religion represent protectors, much like saints do for Catholics. You know, you have St. Francis in your garden. How big does my St. Francis have to be? Can he be five feet tall? Of course he can. Okay, nobody's going to come in and say your St. Francis is too big. (laughs) (laughs) What color, right? Paint him. Is that historically accurate outfit? Come on. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Right. Oh, there's the right amount of burn. But having said that, uh, <laughs> they, what they did at the committee hearing, and I'm giving you all sorts of, um, I haven't uh, talked to the press about this because it's the details of our countersuit, but I think it's important that we start getting it out there, that at the unfair committee hearing that occurred uh, with this uh, review board on October 29th of 2018, they enlarged those uh, terracotta figures. They enlarged them to look like they were man-sized. They're only 12 inches. They're only 12 inches high embedded in her wall, the front of the wall. And they protect the home, much like a saint. So at the review board, where she was told she was not to speak, not to speak and not to hand in a paper, okay? And she, she did it because she was cooperating. Uh, they enlarged it to make it look like they were life-size, at which point, made them even more offensive to uh, the committee. So there's discrimination in our society that's overt, you know, and that is kind of the easiest thing to spot. It's what I think we all think of as racism. But then there's kind of what I call, I don't know if there's a better term for it, genteel discrimination, which is what this sounds like, where clearly someone appears to be being treated differently, but no one will even give you the actual courtesy of why. Yeah, yeah. Well, except that in this instance, we do have this specific... uh, inspector saying that, you know, if English is your second language, it shouldn't be living in Hillsborough. That's a major statement. And it's in a lawsuit. He's been sued before. I was going to say, and you had mentioned that it sounds like this is not his uh, first time with the law. Right. 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 Um, Then the other thing is Mrs. Fang just bought this property in June of 2017. She puts the dinosaurs in, in December of 2017. And that's when this guy comes out to um, close the permits that she did get. And gives her and ends up issuing a stop order. Well, the dinosaurs are in. First of all, you can't give a stop order for something that hasn't happened yet. That, that's number one. And that's as to the mushrooms. 
there are mushrooms all over. It's a wonderful place. It makes me laugh just talking about it. It's like, what is wrong? It's like Kamala Harris in a radio interview. What is wrong with a little joy in this world? What am I missing? It's like, you know, the Flintstone house is wonderful. I think what those mushrooms are missing are like some uh, LED lights on the bottom of them that yeah. can glow in every color possible. And it could just be this kind of, you know, great uh, electric light show as well. That would just be one more. That would be serious. Serious <laughs> hysteria. We didn't say you could have that's lights. A, that's a good idea. That is a great idea. That will freak them out completely. And just nonsense is going on. You know, I have to say that I believe homeowners in Hillsborough do not agree with this. They do not agree with it. Everybody knows nobody can see this home. It's not from the street. Nobody's going to be building the Jetsons next door to you. Everybody knows that. And everybody understands property rights. And I honestly have to say that I am so surprised to see this story um, having popped up after your client purchased the home. When it was on the market, my biggest concern was someone was going to come along and wreck it. Um, and I think everyone that knew of the house and knew it was on the market was like, gosh, we hope it's so unique. It's so cool that whoever buys it really honors that. And when your client, you know, bought it, it's like, great. It's a Bay Area, you know, someone who's been in the Bay Area. They're not going to mess it up. They know how special that house is. And they do know how special that house is. And they haven't messed it up. And yet here we are. It's ridiculous. Well, the interesting thing, and I love um, how knowledgeable you are on the topic of this home. I love it because it's really important to have that background and understand how wrong what they're doing to her is. If you can believe this, she wasn't there two months when the director of planning, uh, who is also a participant in the stop orders, uh, one-on-one participant, recipient witness called, in fact, probably a defendant, told her, if you want to tear it down, I'll get you the permit. <laughs> tear it down. Do you know what, how impossible it is to get a teardown permit? Impossible. All of a sudden, they're available to do a teardown permit. Who says the city is not there to help? They will help you in whatever direction they think you should be helped. <laughs> so, have, Whatever direction they think you should be helped. Exactly. Have you ever offered um, to take the Hillsborough planning folks up to San Francisco and Pacific Heights, one of our most expensive neighborhoods, where there's a statue of a robot with a large appendage in the front yard of the property, and yet everyone here seems to be okay, and no one's property value has been damaged, and everyone's safe. <laughs> right. And you know what I love about not just that story, I love that story, and of course we're using that story, uh, the story in Santa Rosa. Last week, this guy, this gentleman who owns property in Santa Rosa, had been told over and over by the permanent people that his six-foot wall had to be three feet. Okay, and I mean, they've been through the fires here. We've been through everything, and the permit process is very difficult. And they keep insisting to this man that he's got to lower his six-foot fence to three feet. That's the height limit. And he's saying, please, I want to keep my garden. And bottom line, he lost the fight. So what he did was he and his buddy went out there with a saw. They sawed three feet off of the wooden fence so that it's three feet high now, which is the limit for the city. And then he proceeded, he was in the, the big department stores like I Magnus, Joseph Magnus, in the day, literally, um, and had a storeroom full of mannequins that are nude. So he put a dining room table in his garden with all these nude mannequins sitting around the table. <laughs> and the city of Santa Rosa can't do anything 
about it because it's his garden. But then I think I heard that the mannequins were stolen. Was was that the case? No, I my understanding of it is that he used to work at IMAX. No, no, not that he stole them, that someone took them from his garden, um, that they came over the, the three-foot fence and, and took the mannequins. Oh, no, I have not heard. I had no idea it was the city um, fence height that was the genesis of that story. I'd only seen the, the viral pictures, of course. Wow, yeah. Um, and it's, it's so petty at a time when, I mean, to your point, there have been so many fires uh, so much has happened up north. So many people are trying to rebuild and get on with their lives in some sense of normalcy. And if all you want is to be able to like protect your garden, oh is please, that so much. Oh please, all, all he wanted was some privacy. That's all he wanted. And, and you know, there were there were fences before. Um, we are in uh, my little place in Sonoma was ground zero of the nuns' fire, and we lost. Everything right up to the house. We didn't lose the house. We only had the house two months. And the fire went right up to the front door because a friend of ours across the street, after he lost acres and acres of cannabis that at the time was uninsured because the proposition hadn't gone through yet in January 2018, he came running over to our house to see if it was okay and the car roof was on fire and he put it out with water from the spa because there was no electricity from a very small spa, literally buckets, uh, not spa, it's like a, a larger pond. And he saved our house. And then we, like the people across the street, get these unbelievable water bills. <laughs> I mean, the gentleman across the street got a $7,000 water bill for using water to put the fire out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been tough. Talk about kicking you when you're down. So that is incredible. Yeah. As we've been talking about this, you know, and as these headlines have kind of gone across the nation, you know, I think a lot of America just looks at the rest of California as like, oh, look at those silly, crazy, rich people arguing about dinosaurs. But I think that the fact that you were willing to get involved in this case means that you think this is, you know, a lot more than a silly case about dinosaurs. So to the rest of us that don't have dinosaurs or, or live in Hillsborough, what do you really, at the end of the day, think this is about? And why did you get involved? Well, you know, I've spent a large part of my life, literally in the last 35 years, attempting to address it as best as I could. And, and with Mayor Gavin Newsom, uh, Gavin and I had a 10-year plan to end chronic homelessness. I've been working in the homelessness arena, both locally, statewide, and nationally for years and years and years. And, and I believe there is a remedy. I absolutely believe it's permanent supportive housing. Along with that, I did many of the health laws because I was chair. Harry Britt appointed me my first month in office, appointed me to the health commission in the middle of the HIV epidemic. And as such, uh, we did some formidable legislation when it comes to health. So I'm, I'm intrinsically tuned into health issues also. And of course, my husband died of uh, stomach cancer when I was 30. Let's see, 36, and they had given him uh, marijuana, and it, it was UCSF had given him marijuana. And in August of 1990, they took it away from him, and he was no longer able to come downstairs and have dinner with um, our four children. So he died a month later, and it put me in the position of being, you know, an elected official going out and getting marijuana, which I did for many of the drugs for the HIV epidemic anyway at that point. Um, we did the best we could with some strong opposition. So all of this is to let you know my background in healthcare, in homelessness, in things that matter um, to the heart also. And Mrs. Fang has stories and letters and booklets 
from people that would break your heart. Uh, one of them is a gentleman whose wife was having chemotherapy, and they would drive from the peninsula up 280 to the chemo. Um, this makes me very emotional because it's uh, it just goes to show what it means to people. And when his wife passed away, he now goes and sits there to be with his wife and looks at the Flintstone house because it's something they enjoyed so much together. Another little girl who has cerebral palsy. I mean, she has request after request from uh, people who have very serious illnesses asking to not only be able to see the house, but telling her what joy it brings to them when they're driving up to San Francisco and how they just can't wait to see what she's uh, done now. So Mrs. Fang spends an hour or more on these stories that mean the world to her, means the world to her, that people who are that sick. You know, Mrs. Fang lost a son when he was 32 years old, and another son had a brain tumor. This is close to home. She's 85 years old, and she loves bringing joy to people. And so that was enough for me. Even though even though I don't do real property law, I'm going to become an expert in this. I'll tell you that. Um, it's so much easier, actually, than what I do. But, yeah, the idea that they would rain on that parade is so unacceptable to me, merely because they're rich people. Taking up the cause of fighting for joy in 2019, I think that probably sums up 2019 better than anything. And thank you for taking on that fight. Thank you. Um, for whimsy and joy. And thank you to your client for keeping the house so real and authentic. It's a, an amazing property. And thank you, Angela, for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to, to talk with us about all this today. Well, it's my pleasure, Matt. And I, again, love the fact that you know the history. That's just wonderful. And I hope you uh, stay in the loop and join in whenever we uh, have press conferences. We are going to have one at the Flintstone House on Thursday. At 11 o'clock, um, as you know, this is world, worldwide attention to this because I think the world is in such need of joy. I really do. It sounds corny, be that as it may. I think the world just loves talking about Fred and Wilma and Betty and, and Barney. They love it. Because, I mean, honestly, <laughs> who did Fred and Wilma and Barney do wrong ever, right? Ever. They're just... <laughs> They're they're just the good characters, you yeah, know, yeah. from a, a simpler time when you pedaled your car with your feet. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, an interesting side note here is uh, when I was 11 years old, I entered the contest. I was also doing rodeos at the time. I entered the contest uh, to name Pebbles. <laughs> I lost. <laughs> and I can't. So Matir keeps asking me, what was my name? And I can't remember what name I sent in. But I know I was devastated when I thought Pebbles was a great name, but I was devastated that my name didn't make it. Pebbles and Bam Bam. Yep, yep. <laughs> Pebbles and Bam Bam. That's right. Yes, and Bam Bam's adopted. I love it. And Fred helped uh, Barney uh, pay for adopting Bam Bam. You know, it's it's great stuff. That is so awesome. Um, my daughter is adopted, and I did not know that one of the uh, the Flintstone kids was. Learn something, right. learn Bam something Bam. new in every podcast. Yeah, Bam Bam's adopted, and, and uh, Fred helped him pay for the adoption. And he kept oh, a secret awesome. from Wilma because he doesn't want to be a softie in front of Wilma. Fred would never be a softie. Fred would never be a softie. <laughs> it's, it's what gets them in trouble half the time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
Okay, Madison, really <laughs> wonderful talking with you. I've got to get back to get preparing for this case, uh, the legal part of it. But it's been great talking to you and great reminiscing, too. All right. Thank you so much for your time, Angela. Okay, be in touch. Ask Her Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco Realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Wow.